Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Okay, so I get that this is a podcast about mountaineering training, but what if you just don't have enough time in the day to train by the book? Should you wait until you retire or your baby goes to preschool? Or should you wing it, even if you don't feel ready? Friends, here's a secret. As much as I bang on about training, I am also a big fan of doing things I don't feel ready for. It's actually been my secret weapon for living a more adventurous life. So in today's episode, let's talk about the art of winging it and doing the thing you feel completely unprepared for. Because the truth is, people surprise the crap out of themselves all the time. Ready? Let's do this. Today's episode is brought to you by my course, Mountain Fit, Self-Coaching for Mountain Athletes. So congratulations, you've signed up for a mountaineering trip or a long distance trek. Now, how the French toast do you get in shape for it? You could hire a coach to help you, but the ones who actually understand our sport are so damn expensive. And even if you get a good one, no coach is ever going to understand your lifestyle, your schedule, and your body the way that you do. The truth is you will always be your own best coach. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. That's why I created Mountain Fit. This online masterclass is the roadmap you've been looking for to help you reach your fitness goals. In this course, I walk you step-by-step through everything you need to transform yourself into a diesel-powered hiking machine, even if you're starting from absolute zero. By the end, you'll know how to assess your fitness level, write a training plan that gets results, and choose the best exercises for your goals. And if you need a starting point, I've included 40 weeks, that's 40 weeks of training plans you can adapt for your own season. So stop wasting thousands of dollars on Tracy, the big box gym trainer who has never hiked a day in her life. Learn how to train yourself with Mountain Fit. To check it out, just click the link in the show notes. Hope to see you in there. Hey friends, how y'all doing? I am doing amazing. I talked about this in the last episode, and I'm recording this episode on the same day. But one thing I'm really working on right now is just getting my diet back on point. I've been really running all over the place with breathwork practicum and coaching and all the things. And I think I was so busy that I just sort of let my diet fall apart completely. I was eating packaged food for every meal, comfort food for every meal. I wasn't even eating real meals. I was just kind of eating all day and not even paying attention. So so this is actually my first day of what I call the new deal, where I have to eat at specific times, a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and eat healthy food, at least two meals a day. And I did this yesterday, and I can't even tell you, like, I feel like a different person today. <laughs> I feel like it made such a difference. I'm just so much more clear-headed. 
My body feels alive. True confession, I also feel really hungry right now. It's about 10 o'clock, so it's in between the breakfast and the lunch, and I'm used to having a snack right now. So hopefully I'll be able to keep it together through this podcast. I feel like my brain's just the tiniest bit foggy. I drank a big green smoothie before I recorded this, so hopefully that'll, that'll kick in in just a moment here. But hey, the show must go on with the Climb Your Mountain podcast. So yeah, what are we going to talk about today? It's actually a topic I've been dying to bring to you, but sort of struggling with a way to frame it. And so we're going to call it the art of winging it. Sometimes in life, we want to go on a trip and we just don't have time to train for it the way that all the experts say we should. We don't have time to do the classic endurance training model where we're doing 10, 12 hours of cardio a week. It's just not going to happen with our new baby, with our demanding job, with you know all the things that are maybe happening in our life. So one message I really want to send to you is that you don't have to be perfectly trained in order to go on the trip of your dreams. So today, I'm just going to kind of walk you through some of the benefits of what I call winging it, just doing it when you're not prepared. I'll share a li- my own experience with that. I do think there's some trips where it's okay to wing it and some trips where you probably shouldn't. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I'll give you some tips for winging it. I think there are some ways you can approach a hiking trip, a mountaineering trip that really increase your odds of success, even if you're under trained. And, you know, we'll also talk about once in a while, it doesn't work out. You wing it, you go for it. You have to turn around. What do you do? then. It doesn't have to be the end of the world. So why wing it? (laughs) Before I I answer that question, I'll tell you a little bit of my experience with winging it. Probably I I wing a lot of things. I'm just kind of that way. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And there's no time to train. And in a lot of cases, I just do it anyway. And in a shocking number of cases, it actually works out. And I think this is true for many, many people. So probably my most egregious example, I had some friends that that wanted to do the Grand Canyon R to R to R. So the rim to rim to rim. So basically, how does this work? You go to the Grand Canyon, you walk across it to the other side in one day, and then you turn around and you come back in one day. So epic, right? Like maybe about 42 to 45 miles, 11,000 feet of elevation gain. You're in wilderness. It's hot during the day. It's potentially really cold when you start at night on the rims. So yeah, like a pretty big undertaking. And at the time I was training for a marathon. So I was running a lot in town, but I wasn't hiking at all. I was getting like no elevation gain, which any coach on earth would say is absolutely necessary for the Grand Canyon. I was just like running on flat pavement in the city. And at the time I left, My longest long run was only 14 miles. So as a coach, if I was training someone to do the rim to rim to rim, I'd want them to do maybe a 25 mile hiker run. Or if they didn't have time to do that, maybe do like 30 miles, but split it on back to back days. But I hadn't done any of that. I I was just going out there with my little 14 mile run. And I was really nervous and I actually got to the event. I was kind of telling people, I'm like, I don't feel ready. And they're like, you'll be fine. Everyone's just fine. We have like all kinds of people do this every year. We have like those great success rates. I'm like, I don't know. I I I might be the first to let you down. So yeah, it's like long story short, did it. 
It wasn't the easiest thing in the world, nor was it the hardest thing in the world. It was not anywhere near as hard as I thought it was going to be. I walked with the same wonderful people for the entire day. It took us about 20 hours to complete the trip. And honestly, if you haven't been to the Grand Canyon, like it's so spectacular. Like the beauty of it kind of takes away the pain almost. It's really hard to suffer when you're in such a beautiful place. So yeah, in that case, winging it totally paid off for me. So why should you wing it? One of the big reasons is that it, when it comes to these trips, you're never going to feel ready. If you wait until you feel ready, you're never going to go. There's always going to be a little voice in your mind that's like, no, no, you need more training. You're just, this is not the right time. And I have a whole other podcast, which I'll put a link to in the show notes about why that's bullshit, why we don't need to listen to that voice, even though it's natural for it to happen. And it's hard to ignore sometimes, but just know that you'll never feel ready. And if you get used to winging it all the time, whether you feel ready or not, you're just going to be able to do so many more things. Another reason to wing it is that we don't always have time to train perfectly. I think a lot of the books, a lot of the websites are, are written by people who are sponsored or elite athletes and, or like climbing and hiking or coaching is their job. And they kind of lose sight of the fact sometimes that some of us have like three kids and a dog and a full-time job. And, you know, like it, it just, <laughs> we don't have time to like go out and train like 30, 40 hours a week or even like 10, 15 hours a week in many cases. So for some of us winging it, it's either a choice between like never doing anything and just winging it, doing it unprepared. Like I mentioned, I feel like winging it is just such a good habit of mine. Like it really has helped me to have more adventure in my life, try things I wouldn't normally have done. I really feel like I could die tomorrow and have no regrets about not doing things. And I think a lot of that comes from being 44 and just most of the time, almost always saying yes, even if I don't feel ready. So this is something that's so available to you too. And finally, I think winging it, we learn that the, the limits we set for ourselves are not always real. We kind of make rules for ourselves that we have to do A before we can do B. It just might be totally wrong. There's a maxim in endurance training that it's so much better to go into your race, go into your trip, undertrained a little bit than to go in overtrained. And I found this to be so true in my life. You can do the thing without perfect training. And the truth is, it happens all the time. People just like shock the shit out of themselves. They try something they think they're not ready for, and it's fine. And sometimes it's even better than fine. They just crush all the expectations they had for themselves. So let's talk a little bit about what kind of trips where it's okay to wing it and what kind of trips you should not wing it on. So a good rule of thumb is there should always be an escape valve if you think you're going to wing it. So for example, the Grand Canyon R to R to R, even though it's a big hike, it's pretty easy to self-rescue on that hike, right? Like if I'm feeling tired, it's no big deal for me to leave the group, turn around, walk back out like no one's really depending on me. It's all like trails. It's not likely I'm going to get lost on the way out. It's a pretty safe one to bail on, if you think about it. So an example of when I would not bail on, a few years ago, I was training for something called the Tarmigan Traverse in Washington. And I was going to be with a team. I was going to have a rope team. And then my friend was going to have a rope team. So there were eight of us, all depending on each other. We were two teams of three. 
every person on the team matters. And also that's through an absolute wilderness. We're navigating through the backcountry, we're crossing glaciers, we're crossing, we're navigating around crevasses. So there's in that case, no option for me to just like look at the team and go, sorry guys, bye, I'm just not ready for this. <laughs> First of all, I probably couldn't easily get back to my car. There would be a big danger of traveling out alone. Pretty much if I was gonna go out, I would have to take the whole team with me. We would have to find some way to be rescued and transported back to our cars. So that's an example of where I would not do it. There's just no easy exit valve, other people depending on me, everyone on the team matters. So in that case, I would work really hard and I wouldn't go unless I was fairly certain that I felt ready. So you can see self-rescue should always be an option. Kind of make a plan in your head. Like if I, if I decide I am not ready for this, you know, what's the plan? Am I just going to turn around and walk out, walk back down the mountain? Is that feasible? If you're going on a guided trip, I think it's a good idea to check in with your guides. Often guiding services are really awesome about this. They can give you an idea, you know, if, the, if it's good to come, even if you feel a little underprepared, they can let you know the support that they have. In some cases, they might be like, you know, train up for another year and come back. But that's good information to know. It's also good to talk about this if you're going on a self-guided trip with your team, with your friends, let them know, hey, I don't have a lot of training time. This is kind of what I'm looking at. How comfortable are you guys with this? I think that's a really responsible thing to do. Are they comfortable if you turn around? Are they comfortable continuing without you? Are they comfortable with you walking out? I think these are all just decisions you have to make as a group. So, so assuming all that works out and you decide you're gonna wing it, what can you do to increase your chances of success? So first of all, I like to bring a little insurance. So packing extra safety gear. If you have a personal safety beacon, a spot, a Garmin inReach, definitely bringing that along really increases your margin of safety if you were separated from the group needed to be rescued. I might also bring some things like an emergency shelter. If you have like a rescue bivy, might be good to have along, extra layers of clothes. Just keeping in mind that there's a better than maybe average chance that you might be walking out alone, that you might run into trouble just because you're not as prepared physically as you really want to be. Another thing to look at is to do really smart trip planning. Arrive at the start with plenty of time to settle in and acclimatize. This is especially true if you're at high altitude. Don't create a situation where you're like driving up to the trailhead and like jumping out and getting ready to go like right there and chasing the group down the trail. That is absolutely not what you want. I've talked in other podcasts about how stress really impacts your performance. So just having some time at the destination to settle in, to get your head together, to have a nice meal before is very important. Another thing to do for the actual hike or climb itself is to give yourself plenty of time. So on this Grand Canyon, R to R to R, I left at midnight. I left with a group of people who were leaving at midnight because we thought we might be slower. There were actually a group of people that left at 7 p.m. the night before. They ate dinner and then they went to the trailhead and started hiking for the next day. So really think about that. It's often a good idea to give yourself plenty of time. So does that mean leaving before the sun is up and you have your headlamp? If you can do that safely, sure, that might be a great idea. Just put yourself in a position where you're able to move at your own pace, not feel rushed, that's going to be key to your success.
And once you're moving, take it at a really slow and steady pace. Go slower than you need to at the start. Pace is really everything. And there is a science behind it. So if you are pushing too hard and you're kicking your body into what we call anaerobic metabolism, it's going to make you tired a lot faster. So you want to, as much as possible, just be moving at a steady pace that where you can talk to other people, you're not panting, you're not gasping. If you're there, you're not in anaerobic metabolism and you're conserving a lot of your endurance by doing that. So keep your pace nice and slow, avoid the temptation to chase other people. You can always speed up later towards the end if you feel good. There's no rule against that at all. Another recommendation is to just like eat a ton. If you have an amazing fueling strategy, that can really offset you're under-training to some degree. The truth is, almost no one eats enough on trail. You should be eating every half hour, eating several hundred calories an hour. Rather than go into all the rules about that, I'll put a link in the show notes to another podcast I did on this topic about eating for energy on trail. If you follow that strategy, you will have an advantage as far as nutrition, even if you have a disadvantage as far as training. And that can help you make up a lot of ground as far as performance. Another thing I recommend is to have a turnaround plan and stick to it. So for example, if you're climbing a 14er in Colorado, you're going up slowly, have a time when you're going to turn around. So for example, in Colorado in the summer, we have thunderstorms in the afternoon. So your plan could be, if I'm not on the summit by 11 a.m., then I'm going to start descending. And even if it's hard, I want you to really stick to that plan. The point is not to get to the top of the mountain necessarily. The point is to be out there having a good time, being with your friends, enjoying the beautiful nature, just pushing your limits and learning about yourself. The summit, it's always going to be there if you want to come back. So definitely making a plan, sticking to it, being smart. Also listening to your body. If you're really suffering, it's probably time to turn around. Be conservative, especially if you're doing something like the Grand Canyon that's going to require you to really exert on the way out. One of my rules is I don't do suffering. Like if it's not fun anymore, I'm going to leave. Like (laughs) why suffer when life will do it for you? Be very conservative about turning around if you're just not feeling well physically. That's important for your safety, important for the safety possibly of the people in your group. And finally, I make it a point. I may not be the one who's the most fit or the fastest, but I am always going to be the one who is having the most fun out there. So just really enjoy the journey, enjoy the beauty, enjoy just catching up with your friend you're hiking with that you haven't seen for a while. And then if you don't do the whole hike or make it to the top of the mountain, like who cares? You just still had an awesome time and it's always going to be worth it. So finally, just a quick word on what to do if it doesn't go that well. Say you have to turn around. Guys, there's no shame in that. And the thing I always think about if I have a trip that doesn't turn out the way I want is, yeah, at least I'm in the arena. I am in here getting dirty. I am in here trying. You know who's not in the arena? Becky, who's home on the couch eating Cheetos, watching Dance Moms. Like, she is not getting to see all this beauty that you're seeing. She is not getting to enjoy, like this beautiful journey. So just give yourself so much credit, so much gratitude for showing up. 
later, I don't, I wouldn't do this right away, but maybe after a week or so, you know, you've had some time to process, really sit down and just see if you can figure out like what went wrong. Was it the pace? Did you maybe push a little bit too hard? Was it your legs? They just didn't feel strong enough. Kind of do a postmortem and see maybe what you need to do different next time, make a plan. And then another thing I like to do is just make a plan to go back if that's something you want to do. That's always available to you. I mean, the Grand Canyon, the mountain, the trek, it's, it's not going anywhere, right? So just feel abundance with time and yeah, once you've got your plan in place, decide how you're going to make it happen next time. So friends, that's my best advice on winging it. And I really would love for you guys to just feel wonderful about going out, trying things you don't feel ready for, giving yourself a push, discovering what you're made of. If you have a story like that, I'd love to hear it. So definitely pop in our Facebook group. I will put a link in the show notes if you want to join us there. Great place just to hang out, talk about mountaineering training, and just share stories like these. They're very inspiring to others, I think. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. I will catch you in the next episode. Hey, friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.